Chapter 17 Nut sat quietly beside Finn's hammock, fingering the hasp of the fiddle case, as if he were trying to work up the courage to open it. He hadn't noticed that she was awake. Finn smiled as she looked him over. His back must burn like fire, she thought, but at least he was up and around. Good morning, Nut. He nearly jumped out of his clothes at the sound of her voice. Then he seemed to remember that he'd been thinking about the fiddle case and frowned. Sorry, Finn. I wasn't stealing. I dreamed you was playing on a fiddle. He raised his eyebrows at her. I like music, he said as if it explained his entire thought process. I was playing while you were asleep. You didn't dream it. Finn frowned. I haven't played in a long time. Nut considered the case again. You should play more, he announced, and then stood up and turned away. Finn watched him go in sad wonder. He was right, she should play more. Turn it beautiful, Bartimaeus would tell her. She leaned over and opened the case. Betsy's dark absence greeted her, dominated the space inside. Part of her was glad to be rid of the weapon. She wished she could forget it, wished she could forget the way it felt when she pulled the trigger. But the absence called her attention to it, reminded her of all she would rather put out of her mind. Trying to push away the thoughts of her bloody past and dire present, she plucked the fiddle out from its nest. Beneath it lay a small, folded piece of paper. It was the Gazette from Philadelphia. Georgia War Woman. Murder. And Creech was taking her back there. Even if she somehow stopped Creech, the British would hunt her down like a fox if they got word of her return. The desire to play ran out of her. She replaced the fiddle and closed the lid. On the deck, the sun was bright and the sea chopped in a light wind. Finn looked for Tan and spotted him on the poop deck, conversing with Topper. She walked over and pulled him aside. I think it's time you started my lessons. Tan smiled. Well, let's go get you a blade. The art of the sword turned out to be hard work, and often painful as the nicks and cuts on her hands and arms bore witness. Tan chose an elegant rapier for Finn to wield, and she found it much lighter and easier to handle than the typical cutlasses she used on their boarding affairs. Tan ordered the men to keep clear of the quarterdeck so they could fence and the crew crowded around the empty space to watch. Tan was a harsh teacher. He didn't fight lightly or below his skill to accommodate his student. He gave her all he had, and Finn rose to it. That isn't to say Finn had any notion of what she was doing. She certainly did not. But as with most anything else, she was a fast learner. Tan smiled each time he bested her, and his smile spread wider as Finn's frustration grew. He'd gleaned Finn's feisty nature and taunted the best effort she had out of her. She growled and cursed and scowled and always got back up to have another fence with Tan's tiger grin. She threw herself into the learning powered by all the frustration, rage, and fear she had for Creech and her impending homecoming. Creech strutted from his lair once and scowled at the goings-on from his cabin door. Finn felt his devil gaze weighing on her, and she took a deep wound to her right hand for her broken concentration. When she looked again, Creech had retreated into his quarters. Hours later, the sun sunk into the sea and Finn was exhausted. She stumbled below decks, cradling hands bloodied by wayward blades and a sword arm as numb as driftwood. Her hammock greeted her with a quiet nod, and she was asleep as soon as her head found purchase within it. When she awoke in the wee hours for her watch, she felt a little better. The feeling had returned to her arm, at least. On deck, she made out Topper's disheveled form in the darkness and greeted him with a moan and a yawn that was mostly lost in the wind. The boys tell me Tan give you a thrash today, said Topper. He laughed, and Finn nodded blearily. 
A lot of boys been wanting Tan to learn him the sword, but Tan never would. Topper looked at her and raised a suspicious eyebrow. So why you? I don't know, Finn shrugged. He offered. Topper grunted. Hmm, reckon he got his reasons. Finn didn't mention her conversation with Tan about Nut. She suspected that Tan was honoring her kindness to his old friend in the best way he knew how. Tomorrow you might get a chance to show what Tan learned you. Captain aims to try Jack for mutiny. And some men are talking they might not like the outcome. The captain is going to try him? Finn was confused. She expected the trying to be done by a court and a judge. I had the captain's mast. A captain is judge, jury, and execution if need be on his own ship. You didn't think Creech was going to let Jack off easy and ship him home to rot in a jail, did you? Can't say as I'd expect much trial, though. If I know the captain, the outcome has already come in. He just aims to mete out some sentence. Keep your wits about you. Them loyal to the captain ain't likely to swap hugging with them loyal to Jack. Get on to your station. That's all in the morning. We've got the night's work to muster. I smell a storm in the wind. See to it the ship's tied fast. Topper turned away and Finn turned to her work. Finn hadn't seen Jack since the day Creech confined him. Bill kept watch over the door to the little cell the rattlesnake called her brig and permitted no one to speak with him. In truth, she'd all but forgotten about him in her worry over Nut and the captain's suspicions. She felt a tinge of shame about it. Jack had been good to her. Now that he was the main topic of the ship's scuttlebutt, however, she worried for him in earnest. The captain aimed to make an example of Jack, the same as he'd done with Nut. Discussions went on in hushed whispers all over the ship. Everywhere Finn looked, men were gathered in huddles, casting about with nervous eyes, speaking in low voices about the captain and Jack, and who would do what and when, if such and such was a sentence. Some were even wagering over the affair. A few hours later, as the sun was still climbing in the east, Tan hopped up the steps and made a round of the deck, checking the conditions of the wind and sails. He conferred with Topper at the helm, while pointing away south and west to a huddle of dark clouds, and then spotted Finn against the rail and approached her. He looked over his shoulder, then lowered his head and spoke in a near whisper. How's your arm? Finn worked her shoulder around in its socket and winced. It's all right. Better than it was. Things could get, uh, interesting today. So I hear. Can we count on you for Jack, then? Finn was insulted that he even had to ask. The notion that she might be for Creech made her skin crawl. Well, I am certainly no friend of... I thought so, just checking. Tan's grin parted his lips. The captain will find him guilty. No surprise there. The punishment is what's got everyone on edge. Captain could kill him for mutiny, and he'd be right with the law to do it. I figure the sea's got its own law, though. Jack was doing right by the crew and the ship when he crossed Creech. Not that Creech cares. Tan's grin was gone. He looked out at the water, saying nothing. Well, what if the captain sentences him to death? asked Finn. Tan's hand moved to the hilt of his sword. He turned his head and looked at Finn. His grin sharpened. And if not death? Ah, uh, stiff flogging. Jack can handle that himself. Tan looked at the western sky and his eyes darkened. Whatever he decides, he'll have to be quick about it. Looks to be rough wind to the southwest and we can't afford to waste the morning listening to the captain blather on. Have you talked to Jack? she asked. Tan shook his head. We'll hear from Jack soon enough. Run and give those boys a hand with the sails. He grabbed her arm firmly as she was turning away. Strap on your sword and sharpen your wits. Like I said, could get interesting. He turned and strode away, barking orders to the deck crew as he went. Finn hurried to assist in the reefing of the sails. The men around her were those she considered friends of Jack. 
There were no more than a handful on board that she suspected were sympathetic to the captain. Bill Stum, of course, was first among them. Finn could understand Bill siding with the captain. He was a raging idiot. But the other men that tended toward the captain's way were a mystery to her. Certainly Creech had made them all a great deal of money. Mad or not, Finn couldn't deny that. But that didn't seem to be the whole of their motivation. Tan had spoken of the way men interpreted the events surrounding Nut's mutiny, his subsequent demotion and battery. Some had countered their survival to the captain. She was willing to wager those men scried the current situation through the same twisted glass. The few that would back the captain aside, there ought to be an easy majority that would stand for Jack. Good odds. The captain's door creaked open and Creech walked out onto the quarterdeck. Tan piped out the muster on his whistle. Men dropped their business and hurried to gather around. Jack Wagon was about to be tried at the captain's mast. The door to the hold thumped open and a lumbering goon clambered up into the light. He tugged on a chain that ran down into the bottom of the companionway. Creech hid a satisfied grin beneath his mustache. He strutted across the quarterdeck, looking around slowly at the gathered men. The captain had undoubtedly heard the rumors of trouble amongst the crew. He knew most of the men looked up to and liked Jack. Surely he considered such things as he weighed crime and punishment. Finn could see which men he counted loyal by the subtle change in his eyes as he looked over the crew. He considered Topper with odium, then passed to Bill and his look lightened to something of a disgusted tolerance. Bill grinned and Creech's gaze passed on. She saw the same story told with several others. There were no surprises. When the captain's eyes made it around to her, there was no mistaking the disdain in his glare. Finn was proud of it. She smiled at him slightly, and his upper lip curled before he moved his glaring on to the next man. When at last he had appraised them enough, he spoke. Bring him! The goon on the steps jerked the chain in his hand. Jack was at the other end. He stumbled out of the ladder well, squinting at the sunlight like a mole. Finn gasped. His hair was a matted mess. He was filthy from head to toe, and he stank of long confinement. She saw by Jack's eyes that he could read the crew's reaction to his appearance. He straightened up and set his jaw, then stumbled across the deck in small half-steps and leaned against the mast in front of the captain. His body looked overthrown, but his eyes still hinted at the bear. Creech beheld him with satisfaction and smiled. Jack Wagon, you are here to answer the charge of mutiny. Creech let the weight of the word settle upon both crew and accused. How do you plead? Creech didn't seem to be speaking to Jack. He looked around at the crew, relishing his command of the deck. Jack straightened himself up to his full height and waited for Creech to look him in the eyes. When Creech, tired of smirking at the crew, he became irritated with Jack's silence and he snapped his head toward Jack and asked again, How do you plead? Jack answered in a loud, low growl. Guilty as all bloody hell. The captain dropped his smirk and the onlooking crew erupted in murmurs. You admit it, then? asked Creech. Admit it? Hell, I'm damned proud of it, Jack growled back. Do you know, Mr. Wagon, the price of mutiny? I know it, I, and I'd sooner be sent to the hungry deep than listen to another order spit from your heathen mouth. The crew stirred now in earnest. The captain flicked his eyes across the deck and appraised the men. There was no smirk on his lips now. Very well, Mr. Wagon. You freely admit your guilt and I shall grant your reward. Creech produced his pistol from inside his coat and aimed it at Jack. The crew erupted into shouts of protest and anger. 
Tan stepped forward and drew his rapier. From behind the captain, Bill and two other men stepped forward in Creech's defense. Mr. Bow, consider carefully what you are about to do. I can carry out two executions as easily as one. Creech's voice was dangerously metered. Finn did not doubt he meant it. There'll be no executions, Captain. Jack done right by your crew and ship, and I can't stand by and let you kill him for it. Finn and several others walked up and stood beside Tan. Most of the crew is with me, Captain. I ain't one for mutiny, but what you're up to is murder. Stand down, Tan, said Jack. I knew what I was doing when I give the order. And I know what I'm doing, Tan replied. Then he turned his eyes back to the captain. Either pull that trigger or put it away. Creech was livid. His pistol wavered from Jack to Tan and back again, as if he couldn't decide how he preferred to spend his single shot. He ground his teeth. The rattlesnake awaited his choice. Then Topper began shouting, Man of war! Port astern! Every head snapped around to look, and there across the water bore down upon them a warship of the King's Navy, a ship of the line. It was less than a league distant and running at full sail. They were caught unawares. Man the guns, cried Tan. I give the orders on this ship, the captain shouted. He cast a nervous glance over his shoulder at the approaching warship. Turn to your duty, Mr. Bow. We'll settle this business after. He lowered his gun. Take Mr. Wagon back to his pen. The man holding Jack's chain tugged him toward the hatch, and with a last look at Tan, Jack followed his jailer below. The captain and Tan faced each other in silence. Finn held her breath. The captain would kill him the first chance he had. She was sure of it. Creech was no fool. He wouldn't give Tan the opportunity to rally the crew. But for the moment, there were more important problems to deal with, primarily that of the 80-gun ship crashing through the waves behind them. Tan turned to the main deck and shouted an order. As soon as Tan looked away, Creech motioned to Bill. Bill grabbed up a pitch pole from the deck and swung it. Tan! yelled Finn. Too late. The pole cracked across Tan's head, and he hit the deck like a coil of loose rope. Chain him to the mast, said Creech. Like I told you, settle up later. Creech shouted orders. Finn hadn't heard him do so before and often doubted he knew how. But Creech took command without pause, and no one dared question him with the Royal Navy chasing down their wake. The rattlesnake's sails went up, and before the man of war could close to firing distance, they were running south with the wind. We'll not outrun her, Captain, cried Topper from the helm. Nor they us, but they'll follow our wake till kingdom come. The ships were an even match for speed, but the British had the upper hand. They only needed to wait Creech out. The rattlesnake was far undermanned. The ship pressing down on them would have a full company of crew and could run them to exhaustion with ease. Eventually, Creech would make a mistaken tack and the game would be up. Creech stood astern and peered at his pursuer through his spyglass. He spun and surveyed the surrounding skyline. His eyes widened and he smiled. The storm hinted at in the early morning had grown dark and hungry. Billowing thunderheads towered like marble columns above a black maw of wind, rain, and wave. The sea below the clouds shunned all light and color. It frothed and boiled like the heaving breast of a drowning man, black-lipped and forsaken. Turn her into the storm, Mr. Topper, yelled Creech. Madness, Captain, cried Topper. Madness to follow, says I, yelled Creech as he grinned into the storm. Turn your course or throw ye overboard. My way lies through the bosom of yonder black and weeping mistress.
Creech may have been insane, but he was cunning. The lighter and more maneuverable rattlesnake had a better chance of seeing the far side of the storm in one piece than the ungainly warship could hope for. Topper knew it, too. He spun the wheel and the deck lurched to port as the rattlesnake tacked southwest. The ship rose and fell in hard chops against the sea, sending spray through the air at every fall. Finn and the rest of the crew scoured the deck to tie and stow all loose tackle, and once satisfied, all but the captain and topper at the helm dove below to wait out the tempest. Tan lay unconscious and chained to the mast. The pitch and roll of the ship turned the world on its end. Finn stumbled first one way, then another, one moment trotting downhill, the next struggling up, occasionally being thrown headlong into a bulkhead. She'd been in rough sea, or so she thought, but nothing she'd experienced had prepared her for the spinning world of a ship caught up and laid to the mercy of a real storm. The sounds echoing through the hull made her shudder. The timbers shivered and screamed, and she feared at any moment the hull would give way and the hungry sea would come rushing in to devour them all. Again and again the monstrous waves drove into the ship, and the entire vessel trembled. Finn could neither sleep nor find shelter for her mind and other things. The storm consumed her thoughts. Madness, Topper had cried to the captain, and madness it was, for no sane man would cast himself willingly beneath the hammering fist of nature. Topper called down for a furling of sail. Art Thomason chose a handful of men and climbed up into the gale to meet the order. When they opened the hatch to go out, the entire hold filled with the howl and bluster of the storm. Through the hatchway, Finn could spy nothing but a great blackness, even though she knew the hour must be noon or soon after. She thanked God in silence that she wasn't called upon to brave the deck. After a time, the men that had gone up returned, shaken and tired. How bad is it? asked Finn. Art made a vain attempt at squeezing the water from his shirt. Worst I seen since. Well, hell, since a long time. The snake'll weather her. Topper's at the helm and he's been blown far and worse. But it'll be a sign of sweet Jesus himself if Tan see the sun again. Creech got him chained about the mast and the waves are like to rip him apart if they don't drown him first. Got him chained around backwards, where he can't even hold on or keep his feet. Damn Creech's heart, called up a sailor from the shadows. Watch your bleeding mouth if you don't want the same thing, protested one of Bill's men. Tan's gone mutinous with Jack, and he's getting no more than he asked for. The sailor sitting next to Finn stood up and spat on the deck. Creech is a murdering swine, and what you call mutiny, I call fair justice. Bill's man jumped to his feet and puffed up his chest. The two men circled one another and narrowed their eyes, each quietly daring the other to speak a cross word or to turn his back. Before violence could come of it, a voice came yelling up from the bilge. Get to the pumps before we're swimming in the berth! It was Bill yelling up from below where he was guarding Jack in his cell. Art and a sailor named Sam Ketcher took the first shift, and Finn was glad of the timing. Had Bill not sent up his yell when he did, the situation would have come to blows. The storm continued to batter the ship without mercy. Twice more, men braved the deck to secure the sails and tackle, and twice Finn was thankful she wasn't called to the work. Two hours later, Art and Sam climbed out of the bilge, looking and smelling like drenched rats. Finn breathed a sigh of relief when they pointed a finger at her and Nut, indicating that it was their turn at the pumps. They descended into the bowels of the ship to work, and Finn was glad to have something to do. As they entered the bilge, she saw Bill propped comfortably against a bulkhead trying to sleep. Next to him was a door with a chain running through the handle and a lock to fasten it. Jack was inside. 
The bilge pumps were spread out along the floor. They were made of two parallel sets of baffles and long wooden handles along the top to work them back and forth. Nut and Finn sat opposite each other. The water was deep enough that they were submerged up to their elbows while sitting. Finn pushed her handle down with a squeesh, and Nut's handle went up with a creak. Then Nut bore down and Finn's handle rose, and so began the long rhythm and song of the bilge. Squeesh, creak, squeesh, creak. The smell of the room was nauseating. A bilge was a place never dry and forever in some state of rot. The walls were covered in mildewy slime and the pungent, musty smell kept Finn on the verge of passing out as she breathed deep of it in her work. Worse, they didn't seem to be making any headway against the ever-spilling water. The storm's beating constantly replenished whatever volume they pushed out with the pumps. Squeesh, creak, squeesh, creak. You tired, nut? she asked, barely whispering. The words anchored her mind, stopped it from floating. I reckon, shrugged Nut. Finn shook her head at him. Nut lacked extremes, unless extreme apathy counted. Creech had broken his mind, but Nut was a mystery to her even in that knowledge. Finn's arms burned from the work, and all he did was reckon. Finn looked over her shoulder. Bill was still propped against the bulkhead at an angle that, miraculously, the storm didn't seem to overturn while he snored. There was a small window at the top of the door he guarded. She peered at it, trying to see Jack within. Only darkness looked back. Then, as the lantern next to the door shuddered, its light led her eye to Bill's belt. There, twinkling like a star, was the key. Finn turned back around. Nut. Yeah? He reckoned. We've got to rescue. She cast a nervous glance back at Bill, then lowered her voice and leaned in close to Nut. We've got to get Jack. Out of there. Nut looked over at Bill with a frown. He considered it for a moment, then shook his head. Captain might get sore about it. Nut, listen to me. When this storm is over, the captain is going to kill Jack. And probably Tan, too. She studied his face. It was still frowning. You got to help me, Nut. You don't want Jack and Tan to get killed, do you? Nut slowly shook his head. Keep working. It won't do much good to save Jack and lose the snake. Soon as the storm lets up, we'll make our move. Finn nodded assurance to Nut and then returned to the squeesh creak of the task at hand. Having spoken her intent into being, the long time afterward gave her plenty of opportunity to mull over the possible consequences. If they were caught, the captain would see to it they got the same as Jack and Tan. She knew there were a good many men aboard that sided with her but she doubted they'd easily be moved to action bereft of Jack and Tan's leadership. The captain would win a swift victory among the crew if he could dispose of them quickly. Without leaders, the followers would soon fall back into line. If Finn could get Jack free, however, they had a mutinous chance. The men would follow Jack. They'd follow Tan, too, but he was beyond her reach, chained to the mast. Creech had to be stopped, stopped from exacting his cruel sentence on Jack and Tan, Stopped from ever again beating Nut like an animal. Stopped from reaching her home, from reaching Peter, the orphanage. She was cornered again, but this time, Finn had choices. The ship was taking on less water. She could tell by the way the water sloshed to and fro across the room that the waves were slackening in their fury. The storm was letting up. Finn looked across at Nut, who had said nothing since his earlier reckoning. He looked troubled and scared. It's time, Nut, Finn whispered. Wait here. Finn looked back at Bill. He was still snoring. She stood up, carefully. Her back burned from working the pump for so long, 
and it felt good to stretch it out. She stepped away from the pumps, moving delicately so that her feet would make no splash in the shallow water. If she could get the key from Bill's belt without waking him, things might go smoothly. The ship rolled without warning, and she pitched to the side, flailing for support. Nut gasped behind her. Her hands found wood. She barely caught herself against the bulkhead, nearly falling headlong to the floor at Bill's feet. Bill shifted his weight from the wall to the door behind him, but didn't wake. Finn swore silently. Now she would have to move Bill to get the door open. She knelt down in front of him. The key was tied to his belt with a small length of cord. Finn took a deep breath and flexed her fingers. She took hold of the cord and gently tugged the tassel. The knot slipped with ease, and the key dropped quietly into her waiting palm. Finn breathed in relief. Now she only had to get Bill out of the way. Finn slunk back to where Nut waited at the pump and pressed the key into his hand. Listen to me, Nut, Finn said. I'm going to lure Bill up into the berth. As soon as he's out of here, you got to unlock that door and get Jack out. In the back of her mind, memories flashed by. Memories of her and Peter playing practical jokes on the sisters or on Danny Schumann. This was no different. It was just a game, and she'd played it a hundred times before. Only this time, if it didn't go as planned, there'd be more to pay than a few extra chores after dinner. Nut, do you hear me? She shook his arm. Do you understand? Nut nodded. Or maybe he was shaking in fear. Finn wasn't sure. But she didn't have time to wait and find out. She smiled at him, then stood up. She faced Bill and squared her shoulders. She was done letting others make choices for her. Starting right now, she was making her own. Jack and Tan had done right by her, looked out for her, and she couldn't stand by and let Creech murder them. Mutiny be damned. If crossing Creech was mutiny, then Finn held it as a virtue. She kicked a splash of water up at Bill. He lurched awake, spitting curses out as if he was choking on them. He looked around bleary-eyed for the source of the splash, and had nearly focused on the culprit when the second flurry of water flew up into his face. Come have a turn at the pumps, Bill. Button, Bill ventured. Button, I'm gonna crack you open. If you want to sleep, come have a throw. I'll put you to bed like last time. Finn smiled and topped it off with a wink. She didn't expect she'd need much bait to reel him in. He took the lure and gulped it down as if it was the last supper itself. Bill charged her and Finn stepped neatly out of the way, allowing him to trip perfectly on the pump and fall into the water. When Bill had splashed, screamed, cursed, and dripped his way to his feet, he found Finn lighting up the steps out of the bilge. Bill followed. He was so anxious to corner Finn that he slipped and tripped over his own feet half a dozen times before finally managing to climb the steps on all fours like a beast. In the birthing area, Finn was in the middle of the room, hopping back and forth on her feet with happy anticipation. Bill staggered in, dripping wet, wide-eyed, and spitting fire. Damn your blood, Button! I'm gonna skin you alive and take a bite out your liver so you go straight to hell! Finn didn't bother replying. She winked again as the rest of the soldiers laid wagers and cheered them on. Bill charged and the blows began. Finn had forgotten how hard the big ogre could hit, but he soon reminded her. She tried to dance about the room and avoid him as she'd done in Philadelphia, but found she'd not taken the size of the ship's berth into account. It was too small and too crowded, and Bill seemed to be able to corner her no matter which way she bounced. She landed plenty of her own blows, but each time one of his huge ham hands fell upon her, she said a prayer that Nut would hurry up and get Jack free so she'd get a little help. But blow after blow landed, and neither Nut nor Jack darkened the door. In and out, Finn plugged her quick, sharp jabs. 
Bill was bloodied at the nose and lip, but freshly slept he showed no signs of slowing, and Finn was already weary from the pumps. Another meaty fist landed on her brow and a hot flow of blood streamed down into her eyes. Another blow. Her head cracked back against the wall and she slid to the ground. Cheers and boos sounded around the room. Bill stood over her and spat. Get up, runt! I ain't done with you, snarled Bill. Finn was mad. She hadn't lost a fight in ten years and didn't aim to start now. Beneath her, she felt a crunch from whatever had broken her fall. It took her a couple of hazy seconds to realize that the splintered box she was laying on had a fiddle inside. Now she was doubly mad. She willed herself to her feet, but her body was slow to obey. She faltered and grabbed a stanchion to pull herself up then wiped the blood from her face and smeared it on her shirt. She shook her mind to rouse it and nudged her fiddle case safely out of the way before squaring off again with Bill. He was the one grinning now. Finn mustered up enough stubbornness from the deep well of it within her to smile at him before launching into a new flurry of fists. Back and forth they traded wallops, blood for blood, bruise for bruise, and Finn began to see signs that Bill was getting winded. Those ham-fisted blows might hurt to catch, but they were hurting him to throw as well. Bill was missing. He'd toss a fist at Finn and she'd dodge it and toss a couple back as she bounced around him. He'd reorient and throw a few more, some misses, some hits, but every one of them was wearing him closer to the deck. Finn's brain swam from being juggled this way and that inside her skull, but she saw through enough of the cloudy water in her vision to see that Bill was about done in. She wasn't about to let him simply finish, though. Finn wanted to enjoy the knowledge that it was her that finished him, not just time and his own weight. Where was Nut? She'd been knocking bones with Bill for what seemed like an hour, and neither Nut nor Jack had come up the steps. Bill overthrew his last punch. Finn hammered him in the ribs as he stumbled past, smiling at the crunchy sound of a cracking rib, then planted her whole weight behind her right arm and let it fly. Finn's blow caught him under the jaw and removed most of his remaining teeth. He landed in a grunting heap against the timber. Out of the corner of a blurry eye, Finn saw the doorway darken. She breathed a sigh of relief. What had taken Nut so long? But something wasn't right. Men should have been cheering, slapping her on the back, muttering as they swapped money to settle bets. But the berth was deadly silent. The only sound was a muffled splashing from downstairs. She wiped the blood out of her eyes and shook her head to clear her vision. Every man in the room was silent and staring at the doorway. Finn couldn't figure any reason they'd look at Nut like that and turn to see what all the matter was. And there, in the door, fire-eyed and poised to pounce, stood old Tiberius Creech. What in the devil's fire is going on here? he shouted. I've just sailed you sorry dogs through a black wind from hell herself and saved your wretched skins from the wrath of King George, and here you are playing like whore-born bastards in the gutter. He glared at them and twitched his mustache. No one spoke or moved. The faint splashes from the deck below drifted up the stairs. Wake that dog up, he shouted and pointed at Bill. On the floor next to him was a small folded paper. The Gazette from Philadelphia, knocked out of the case when it broke her fall. Finn bent over and grabbed it, nearly succeeding in throwing herself to the ground thanks to her recently assaulted sense of balance. As she stuffed it into her shirt pocket, Art gave Bill a few kicks in the side, but Bill didn't budge. I think he's out for a while, sir, Art reported over the sloshing from down below. What? 
in the name of God, is going on down there? Creech shouted down the steps in irritation at the splashing noise. As soon as he spoke it, the noise stopped, timidly, as a child ceases when it finds itself discovered in mischief. Bill, get up, you filthy dog! You're to be keeping guard on that blasted jack! shouted the captain. Then he became aware of the implication. If Bill wasn't up here, then Jack was unkept. Creech wheeled around and pounced down the steps. Finn tried to snap her mind back into lucidity. What was Nut doing? He had to have freed Jack by now. Then from below, the captain began to roar. You! God damn your heart! I should have done with you by now! What in the blue deep are you doing? He screamed. Nut's voice floated up soft and full of trembling. I'm looking for the key, Captain. I uh, dropped it. And I, uh, uh... A dull thud interrupted whatever he was about to confess, and Nut cried in pain. Finn went cold. They were caught. Worthless pig, spat Creech. A fumbling commotion banged up the steps, and Creech passed the doorway, dragging Nut by the hair. Finn and the rest of the crew rushed out of the berth. The sky was clear ahead of them, and the rattlesnake was running south. To the rear, the storm muttered and crackled in the distance. There was no sign of the British vessel. Whatever else, the captain had saved them from that doom. Topper, drenched to the bone and looking almost clean from the storm's lashing, stood at the helm like a tide-battered stone. At the base of the mast lay Tan upon his back, still shackled to the mast. He was coughing and sputtering, bleeding from a deep gash on his head, and shivering. The storm had pounded him senseless and nearly drowned him on the deck. Nut howled. A harrowing animal drone issued from his mouth. The captain had dragged him to the quarterdeck and stood above him, raining down blows from a cat of nine tails. Blood flowed from his arms as he tried to deflect the torment. Stop! cried Finn. She couldn't bear it again. The captain ignored her. Stop it! she demanded as she ran across the deck and threw herself across Nut's writhing body. Stop it! she pleaded. Creech stilled his hand mid-stroke and fumed at her. It's my fault! Let him alone! Finn cried. I should have known that ill-born half-wit would be in cahoots with someone, spat Creech. Finn had received spankings on an almost regular basis at the orphanage. The sisters had occasion to paddle Finn so often that if a day passed and the paddle hadn't been produced, it was simply assumed that Finn hadn't been caught. Sister Hilda spanked Finn so hard once for throwing food at the dinner table that Finn was sure the shape of her bottom was permanently altered from it. Paddles, switches, belts, canes. Finn had bared her tail for them all during her childhood, but for all the paddlings in her life, nothing had prepared her body or mind for the cruel bite of the cat nine tails A strap of leather roughly cut into many shreds and fixed with barbs and shark's teeth to rend flesh from bone. Creech brought his arm down and the tails bit into Finn's back. Agony wet her vision. He pulled the tails away and they bit again like fire as they tore out of her flesh. She screamed. Creech flailed at her with the cat of nine tails as he shouted and raved. The price! He brought down biting pain as he stressed his words. Of mutiny! Pain. The price! Agony. Of mutiny! Blood. Finn forgot reason, forgot life, forgot herself. The world existed only as the terrible gnawing pain and agony of the whip. She saw Nut crawling away and disappearing into the hold. 
Somewhere inside, she was glad of his escape. Then the thought drowned in blood as her flesh tore again. Creech foamed at the mouth and flung his words about the deck as he rained down his fury on Finn. The crew watched in horrified silence. They had no leader to oppose him. They were broken. Some wept and cried for mercy. Some grinned malice at the spectacle and saw only Creech's lawful and terrible justice. Topper quivered in helpless anger at the helm. Creech had won. His control was complete, and he did as he wished. The tails bit again, Finn groaned in torment. Her thoughts were two, relief that Nut was spared, and anger. Anger that at long last God had finally abandoned her for certain. In her mind she screamed and railed against the choosing that left her bloody beneath the lash. When the tails rose again from her back, her shirt caught in the barbs and it tore away. She lay bare-breasted and bloody in the sun. The blows stopped. All was silent. The apocalypse of her sex washed across the ship. Creech kicked her over onto her back and confirmed the unveiling, the final naked shame. He stood speechless, hovering over her. Then his eye caught sight of a crumpled and bloody piece of paper lying in the ruin of her shirt. He seized it and looked at it hungrily. His eyes darted from the drawing on the gazette to Finn and then back again. Damn your soul! He spat at her. Long years passed. Finn had cursed her parents for their betrayal. And often she had cursed Hilda's rod and staff. But always she held out scant hope that God in heaven would hold for her a place where all others had turned away. And now naked, bled, and found out on the floor, she cursed God at last and despaired of all hope save one. Her mind turned to Peter. He alone remained. She clung to him like a rock and begged for shelter in his arms. Creech raised his arm to loose again the tails upon her, but the blow never fell. Huge, hairy fingers reached out and stayed Creech's arm. Finn opened her eyes and saw in blood-washed vision that Creech, sputtering for words, now shrunk in the shadow of a giant form towering over him. Jack. Nut appeared from behind him and dropped to the deck beside Finn. I found the key, Finn. Nut wept to her. Jack's fist descended like a boulder tumbling down a mountain, and Tiberius Creech crumpled to the rattlesnake's deck. Mm -hmm.